Welcome to the Middle-Aged Man podcast, the only men's podcast that tries hard not to make snowballs and throw them at girls. Remembers wrestling on World of Sports on a Saturday lunchtime and when giant haystacks wasn't the name of a trendy new cocktail. And yet we still want to be the best that we can be. Today's question for you to meditate on is... What have I, what have I, what have I done to deserve this? Now, today's guest is a man that aims to inspire fellas of a similar age to be more adventurous and that life doesn't need to tail off when you hit 40, as some people used to tell him in the gym. So much so that he went off on a ski mountaineering expedition when he hit 40 and nearly lost his toes. And that was quite some time ago now. And now he's up the ante. He's now a coach, an adventurer, a practitioner of adventure and extreme pursuits, and has undertaken a base jump in the name of science. He was, in fact, part of the first UK tandem base jump. He's a chartered psychologist, a cognitive neuroscientist, and an award-winning photographer. Who the hell says that life doesn't begin at 40? Gentlemen, I give you today's guest on the Middle-Aged Man podcast, Mr. David Gallagher. How are you, David? How are you, my friend? Thank you very much for that introduction there. That was a very auspicious kind of introduction and made me realise how many things I seem to have fitted into my life. Well, that's quite good because otherwise it's downhill from now on in. I've got to be honest, but there you go. Um, right, so come on, let's, let's go back. This is, this is slightly mad, right? The fact that... Yeah. You hit 40 and you decided to go up a mountain and you nearly lost your toes. <laughs> what in God's yeah. green earth possessed you? <laughs> well, I mean, through my sort of 20s and 30s, I, I did consider myself somewhat adventurous, but I, I guess I was holding myself back. Uh, I kind of had a bit of anxiety growing up and, and thought, what would, I, what would I amount to? Would I, would I measure up against my peers? And I guess as I got older, I just thought, oh, to hell with it. Let's, let's just up the ante. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I did quite a lot of mountaineering through my 30s. And then when I hit 40, it wasn't so much as a, a, a midlife crisis. It was just, a, well, what do I do next? You know, so I've always, always had this sort of progressive, what happens next, rather than am I going to deteriorate as I get older? And, and I thought, ah, quite a cool thing to do for my 40th would be to ski across the Greenland ice cap, wow. as you do. Yeah, as you do, yeah, <laughs> exactly, yeah. So, I, yes, I, I looked into it, and um, actually I found what I thought was going to be a bit of a group experience where I can up the ante, you know, and I can push my limits a little bit. And, you know, one of those things where Ranald Fiennes pulls a, a sledge behind him, and not that I was aiming to be Ranald Fiennes. And I signed up for this this uh, expedition, Um and I found out, actually, as, as time progressed towards it, and I, I started training in the gym, so I, I, I best get a bit a bit more fit and ready for this. And I discovered no one else was coming on it but me. <laughs> so I was going to have basically a polar guide to myself. Um, and then I started to kind of start to worry a bit because I thought, oh, my God, who's this polar? This polar guide had been up Everest the, the year before, and he'd been skiing across Antarctica, and I thought, oh, my, I'm now going to be living in a tent with his chap. And I thought, well, to hell with it. You know, you only live once. You only hit 40 once. So let's uh, let's jump in at the deep end. And, uh, yeah, I found myself travelling by, I think it was a Twin Otter light aircraft from Iceland with a builder called Darren, who was a bit of a lunatic skier from <laughs> uh, Essex, and a couple of members of the French Special Forces. Wow, okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're flying across the, uh, the the Arctic sea ice, 
And, um, and and just one thing which stuck in my mind, I just thought, well, what the hell am I getting myself into here? And the funny thing was, you know, obviously in this this era of of uh, not being able to go to the cockpit and everything's closed down, this this plane was in chaos. There was just bags everywhere, and I noticed there were like crisps and sandwiches and stuff everywhere. So you just basically help yourself. And at one point, I, I could see because I was right next to the uh, the cabin, and the door was open, and the two pilots were in there, sort of. This amazing vista, uh, you know, as they were approaching Greenland, the sea sparkling, the ice is, is amazing. And at one point, I, I saw this hand sort of reaching behind and, and sort of fiddling about trying to find something. And I realised, I think the the, uh, the pilot was actually looking for his sandwich. So I became the hostess briefly and just grabbed the sandwich <laughs> and put it in his hand. I thought, this is definitely different, you know, the sort of package to her. So yes, I, I landed on this uh, Arctic base uh, in northeast Greenland, uh, and yeah, I mean, there's many anecdotes I could say, but a few days later, I was out in the wild, uh, living with this chap in a tent in minus thirty, and and uh, we had some escapades, and and it's very cold out there, obviously minus thirty. You have guns because of the polar bears, and you know, yeah, you're out in the back of beyond, and I think I, I pushed myself a bit hard that day. I, I got cold feet. And didn't really attend to my own personal sort of hygiene in that sense, just yeah. in terms of my feet. And uh, yeah, I came down with frostbite. <laughs> All my toes turned white and wooden, and one of them in particular looked pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but suffice to say, I came back from that incident, came back from a, a pretty outstanding trip, uh, went to the doctors. I became the, the talk of my local GP surgery. Because, <laughs> oh, look, we've got. This, this guy who's nearly lost his toes, it's a bit of a difference to the normal run-of-the-mill type of uh, incident they might have um, been used to seeing. Um, and I still have all my toes. I do have a bit of pain now and again, and they don't like getting cold. But I did survive from that uh, incident. And, and that was, I guess, the advent of my 40s. You know, where, where do we go from there? <laughs> I was going to say, what? Do, I mean, look, you know, you, you go on a trip like that. Um, yeah. And... Yeah, when we all hit midlife, you know, it's it's that typical stereotype. We want to either, either buy a Harley Davidson, a bloody Ferrari, or you know, a, a really crap electric car. Um, yeah. What did you learn about yourself when when you've gone and done that? Because uh, you, you've done some mountaineering before, but it, you know that is a pretty extreme trip to go on. What did you learn? Yeah, about yourself? it was. Yeah, I mean, I learned a few things. I mean, I learned it that you can step up to the next level and yeah it's it's hard and you might suffer for it but actually there is a capability beyond which you sometimes you have a self-limiting belief sometimes about what you're going to do and and how do you i think a lot of it's to do with the peers and, and you're about to step up into a different peer group of people who are real high performers and that's a very daunting thing and you know one i guess one of my main anxieties in life has always been how do i measure up with my peers you know, how do I stack up? Am I good enough to to sit at that table? You know, with these people doing these other things, and I think that's probably something a lot of a lot of chaps our age or, or age, uh, you know, a lot of that insecurity is about how you measure up with other people, of course. Um, so I learned well for a start that once I settled into the routine, yes, I got the injury. I actually was as competent as anyone. I had the fitness. You know, not everyone's superhuman. And I think that's when I learned it's other people who you hold up on a pedestal. Actually, yes, they're they're pretty accomplished in certain respects, but they're all human. And I tell you what, I I thought about writing a sitcom based on the time I spent on that Arctic base. 
because it was all about the, the chaos and the comedy value of all these high achievers living in close proximity, complaining to each other. Someone couldn't even boil the pasta properly. Someone had been wearing the same T-shirt for about a week and stunk, and everyone was getting at each other. And it was just like, you know, the, the ordinary put in an extraordinary place. And I think I, I realised, you know, everyone at heart has the same fallibilities, the same, you know, the same sort of insecurities. Um, and it's just kind of how you, what you do with your life and how you, you push yourself to the next level and, and just be committed to something. Uh, I, I realised I was capable of, of, you know, being part of that sort of side of things. Um, so that, I think that was the main realisation that anything you do moving forward, you can do things which you may otherwise not think you can do. Yeah. Um, and it's just a matter of stepping up and, and throwing yourself into the into the ring and just seeing what happens. And so be it if, well, I was going to say, so be it if you lose your toes. That's not what we're trying to do yet. <laughs> if you lose a bit of your pride or, you know, you have something which is a bit of a setback, you deal with it and, and you move on. And you may not do that again if, if it's particularly serious. But, you know, you've just tried. And, and that's, for me, that's, how do you overcome self-limiting beliefs? And that's what I try to, to impress upon others. Because you didn't stop. You didn't stop there. You started doing other crazy shit as well. So come on, <laughs> tell it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, was it a case of uh, one of the things that came out of that is that you wanted to push yourself to see how far you could go? And um, because it's it's really interesting. You, you mentioned the word pedestal, um, yeah. and um, I uh, retweeted a quote. Um, it's the last time I put anybody else on a pedestal other than myself. And I think that's really important is that we, we have these, you know, we, you've, you know, you've worked with really high achievers. You've worked with some amazing people that, you know, are, are, you know, to the rest of us appear superhuman, but then you're obviously seeing the other side of it where actually not as good as you think they are really and we kind of end up putting them on a pedestal and actually by putting them on a pedestal we kind of like you know we knock ourselves down and like i said i retweeted that but that that post the other the other day actually it sort of said look it's the last time i put somebody on a pedestal other than me because actually do you know what i'm a fucking rock star as well you know that type of thing um what what made you want to just keep pushing the boundaries because you know a, a twin base yeah. jump, dude, is is pretty <laughs> mental. You know, I've parachuted before and I loved it. You know? I was attached to a 21-year-old that I swear to God looked like he was 12, right? But he'd done like about 3,000 jumps and it was great. And it was it's something I want to go and do again. And I've told people if they've never gone and done it, go and do it. But a base, a, you're, you're running off a fucking cliff. Jesus, and there's two of you. That's that's never just one of you slightly yeah. mental. That doesn't make any sense to me now. But two of yeah. you together, why are you pushing? Why are you pushing the boundaries so much? Yeah, again, it's not a conscious thing to push the boundaries. Um, I think what it is, it's an unlocking a mentality which is open to experience. That's that's the kind of way I see it. I've never really been one for setting myself these goals where I must achieve more the next time and I must achieve. I think it's, it's a bit like a computer game where you, you've been thrashing away at level one for like years and, you know, I used to be terrible at computer games and drove us nuts until I had that eureka insight and suddenly like solved the puzzle. And then you think, well, what do you do now? You just like go and do something else. 
no, you get on to level two, and there's so many things to say on level two. I'm, I'm, like, I'm, I'm, all... just, I'm just going to pause you there. It's the fact that actually we're so middle-aged, you called the computer games. Nobody calls them computer games anymore. Everybody's got an image of the BBC Micro and Elite. That's about it, right? That's what's going on there. Sorry, mate. Carry on. Sorry. No, no, I'm thinking that dinosaur thing with the two little rectangles and the little dots. Ah, yeah, yeah. Tennis. On the Atari, yeah. Yeah, we got that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, well, there's that, um, that film a couple of years ago, Ready Player One, which is all about, actually, that's very nostalgic for yeah. those of our age back to the 80s. Uh, and the whole idea of you, you unlock the next level. And it's a good analogy. You know, and that's kind of, I guess, the mentality that I have adopted as I've got older and realised that, you know, you don't have to get everything, you don't have to get level one out of the way and then you, you go up to seed somewhere you get level one out of the way and then suddenly there's a whole new vista of opportunities. And I think I just, partly through that Greenland expedition, but other things leading to that, I suddenly realised, well, all these things I've been holding myself back in my mind that, oh, you're not good enough to do that or you must, you know, you're, you're going to get deteriorate as you get older. That isn't necessarily the case. You actually start to see possibilities, but also realise that actually you've got more in you than you maybe thought of before and that you haven't used all your all your credits or whatever the analogy is so i i just found i think i looked back at my my past life and certainly when i was young much younger and realized i had denied myself opportunities of things because i, I was like timid about them or you know nervous or the, the, the sensation of anxiety and the nerves got the better of me and as, as you get older and i think this is something i want to impress on those of our generation We've got a lot of lived experience. Whatever, you know, sense of insecurity or anxiety or trepidation about the future or our current status is, we've got all that lived experience to actually reflect back on and draw upon and that actually we've got lots to bring to the table. And that's, I guess that's how I saw things. So now I was open to opportunities um, and that's what led me to last year uh, do my base jump <laughs> because I, I ended up becoming part of the, the base jumping community and that's a whole story which I'm getting to uh, if you like go for it I mean, um, honestly that's that's just that, that's amazing yeah. in itself I, again I don't understand the mentality it's like people look I'm not a great swimmer I can't understand people that jump off yeah. rocks into the bloody sea or even boats I've worked that one out in, uh, in the Maldives last year but um, yeah seriously jump, jumping off a rock effectively I don't know looking like a in starfish mm. I've, honestly that's that's another level. That really is. What, how the hell did you get into that, yeah. man? Right, yeah. So, um, again, through the, the, the years of my early 40s, getting more involved in climbing, getting more involved in the technical aspects such as rope work uh, and getting into photography. So, you know, maybe that's a middle-aged man pastime, you know, a nice bit of landscape photography to pass the time when you're rambling out in the hills. And I actually I started hanging about on cliffs, <laughs> on ropes taking pictures and it just happened serendipitously when i was going through a bit of a and you know the universe sometimes reaches out and presents you with an opportunity when you're actually the lower ebb and i had gone through some transitional stuff in my own personal life uh, which had had really kind of shock effects in a way and i wasn't in a good place and i was hanging about on probably not the best place to be hanging about on cliffs when you're in, in a lower kind of space no i've got to be honest no it's probably not the best place no you're right no that's the kind of crazy world I sometimes find myself in. So, yeah, so I, I was hanging about. Actually, I was on a picnic that day. I was, I was having a day off from hanging about off a cliff. 
and I saw a couple of chats uh, wander past and they were peering over the edge of what I didn't realise was a cliff. I just thought it was a bit of a hill uh, on the North Wales coast. And I popped over to, to see them and um, and just see what they were about. What, what had they kind of lost? Or they, they dropped something over the edge or something. And it transpired they were about to jump off. And, and I was incredulous at this. I'm like, how can you jump, jump off what? And then, of course, I noticed they had these little bags on their back, which turned out to be parachutes. And sure enough, they jumped off. But just before they jumped off, I said, okay, I didn't realise this is even possible around these parts. I mean, I know you can wingsuit and base jump in far off alpine sort of places in spectacular locations. I said, just hang on while I nip back to my car and grab my, my camera because I'm a bit of a photographer on the side. Came back, took some snaps, uh, was amazed at what I saw and the fact that they had these techniques that allowed them and the, the equipment which allowed them to actually do this without, you know, completely creaming in on the bottom for one of the better terms. <laughs> and, um, and I took some shots and then I, that just started a bit of a, a connection with them and, and I kept in touch with one of the, one of the chaps uh, and followed him around for, for quite a long time, sort of living in his van. He was, he was in his like twenties and I was kind of forties, uh, <laughs> forget exactly, mid forties or something. And it just, it, you know, it was a, a new lease of life for me because it gave me a bit of a sense of purpose. Um, it gave me a sense of keeping fit and keeping active and also having a, a, a new and novel and unfamiliar sort of uh, terrain to explore. And, and I followed him around, took loads of shots, and then I became actually published in newspapers through my shots, wow. in, in, you know, the Times and the Express and all these, because these are really quite exciting things to see. You've got that, the amazing landscapes of the UK, and then a, a little figure sort of flying through it in a death-defying sort of manner. So, yeah, I started uh, publishing my uh, my photographs, and I, I started to understand a bit more about what's going on in this community and how do people do this and what's the kind of mentality uh, that's, that they are, they are embracing. And it just so happens, as you mentioned in my bio, I'm a psychologist and a research psychologist. So I've always had this interest in what makes people tick. Mm -hmm. And, and as you, you can always say this about a psychologist. Well, you become a psychologist because you've got something going on in your head you want to solve. That's <laughs> uh, so I don't know of everyone. So, yeah, so it, it was a natural uh, thing for me to carry on doing this. And to, to build some of my research around this as well, because I'm very interested in what are the mechanisms going on in the mind and in the brain of someone who does death-defying things or takes risks or ultimately can deal with really stressful situations, you know, in, in an adventurous context, but not, not necessarily just in that. And, and this is where I really start building my whole philosophy around, well, I can not only follow what people are doing and document it and, and understand what's going through their mind, but I can use that understanding to help other people deal with stress, deal with fear, and find kind of purpose, renewed purpose, much as I had in my own personal story. And, you know, naturally, as I've been describing, I seem to end up in situations, whether it's on an Arctic base with French special forces or God knows where, up an Andean mountain or something, I find myself in situations nowadays because my my mindset, my mentality's opened me up to these possibilities on level two, level three, whatever you want to use the analogy of the computer, of the video game, or whatever you call them. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I, I ended up becoming part of the base community, um, part of a group called Mountain Man Base, which is a, a pioneering collective of individuals in the UK. Uh, and this led me to actually doing a base jump last year, 
which again I wouldn't have expected to happen, but somehow my my mind was. No, you wouldn't. No, I've got to be honest. You wouldn't wake up one morning. Do you know what? I'm going to fling myself off a cliff. Let's have a go, shall we? No, not at all. Not unless the Samaritans are involved. No, not at all. Well, that's it, and it's, it does sound like a dubious enterprise, but actually, you know, I've, I've done quite a lot of work. I've written magazine articles on this in the last few years to, to also try and um, make the public and the wider community aware of what is involved in this type of activity. It's not just a stereotyped lunatic. <laughs> <laughs> um, there is a method to the madness. Uh, there's a, a rigorous and sort of method, methodical uh, process to it. And, and again, that's the philosophy I take back and, and promote in life, whether you're hitting your 40s, your 50s, your 60s, wherever you are in life, everything is a bit of a progression from what you've done before. And that progression can lend itself to opening up a, a much wider vista, you know, exponentially in a way. And if you're open to that, there's great things around the corner that you would never have foreseen. You know, so that that's kind of, yeah, that, that's, that's how I approach it. So one of the things that you mentioned uh, um, just a little bit earlier there is you mentioned purpose. Obviously, I would say that a lot of middle-aged guys get to my age, and especially what's going on with me at the moment. And you know, I hope that people appreciate that I'm incredibly honest about what's going on with me. I'm not, I'm not doing this podcast from a, um, a virtuous point in any shape or form. I'm actually doing it in, you know, this is almost part of me rebuilding my life. Is the fact that I'm learning from all these amazing people that you're listening to. How? How are middle-aged guys finding their purpose? Because, you know, th- th- things happen, we get to a certain age, and, you know, we're at a crossroads. I think we, we spoke about this before we came on air, and we sort of, like I said, look, we're at a crossroads. How, how would you help somebody, my position, 48 years old, no yeah. relationship, you know, mm-hmm. uh, potential job break it's not a job break because i'm doing this podcast but it's a job break it's it's not what i've not i I thought i would be doing at the age of 48 um you know a couple of quid in the bank virtual empty flat starting all over again from fresh how would you help a guy like me almost find my purpose again yeah yeah i mean my niche i guess is the adventure side and that's a bit of the hook that that i promote and I mean, adventure can mean many things to many people, but I take people out in the wild, for instance. So there's a lot of stuff around mental health and, and nature at the moment. And I'm not necessarily banging the drum for that, but there's a great virtue in getting it out of the context and the, the routine and the, you know, the, the, the place you inhabit currently. And if, if you're never really engaging with these type of contexts, such as going for a walk up a mountain, uh, you know, you're constrained somewhat by you know, the habitat that you're in. So part of my method, my approach is to try and get people out of their normal, you know, domesticated routine, whatever that is, you know, if you live in an urban environment or whatever, and come out in the wild. <laughs> That's, that in itself is so powerful. And, it, you know, it, it's almost a cliche nowadays going out in the wild. Oh, yeah, well, we can go outside and go up for a walk. What does that do for me? But sometimes it's it needs someone, such as perhaps myself, to guide people into a more adventurous context where they can just be in a different space. And I think that's, that's really vital. And that's certainly what's helped me in, in all the times in the past when I've you know, been on a slump. So I'd help, I'd, I'd get someone like yourself and, and try and take you out of your normal zone. Uh, so you, you're breaking free of all those cues 
which remind you and constrain you of all the past mistakes or the past, the, the current rut you might be in and get you out and, and do some physical activity in, in nature is, is a good start. And that can open up conversations as to, well, it, it can help you see things in a different way. It can help you see possibilities to get involved in more activity, for instance, but it also give you a slightly different perspective on on where your life's been because you're stepping outside of it. So part of it is is being active and part of it's you know showing you what adventure is about and, and leading by example, I suppose, that this is my journey. You don't have to go on a base jump. You know, you don't have to climb a mountain per se, but we can get out and have a, a different perspective. And then it comes down to the conversation about, well, what's your, what's your purpose? Well, not everyone has a purpose or knows what their purpose is, or their purpose might rest in the previous life you know, the previous life of being a, a parent, a husband, uh, a son, whatever, you know, and, and all these things are, are obviously very valuable and very, that's that's what a lot of people's purpose is and that's completely what, what it should be to some extent. But what is the passion behind that? And it's just about having these conversations, trying to really identify well, what what actually makes you passionate. You know, what is what are you curious about? What 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 have you maybe let slip in the past or what's your innate uh talents and, and, and creativity and all this stuff which is probably got lost somewhere along the way with all this these demands of life and, and all these kind of preconceptions of what you should be so you know it, at the end of the day coaching etc is a conversation it's a dialogue it's a getting reflecting back what you see the place that you are and giving you a slightly different perspective and helping you step outside of that and like I say, you could just do that like we're doing now in the conversation, the coaching conversation, but it's something very key to getting outside in that outside world and understanding that adventure is out there. Uh, as, as I think this, the Royal Marines have the adventures a state of mind, which again is another cliche, yeah. but there's definitely something about that. And that's what my method is all about, you know, leading by example, taking it out of your normal zone and making you understand that your, your patterns of thinking are very much bound by the, the constraints of the situation that you, you're kind of stuck in. You know, and it's no one's fault to be stuck anywhere, much like lockdown is no one's fault. But it's sometimes you need that that impetus by talking to someone else to give you that different perspective and, and, and create that connection, that sense of community. So it's, so it's it's really it's really interesting yeah. that you, you, you mentioned earlier um, when you were hanging off a cliff taking photographs. That, and I like I like to do this with coaches. I'm not springing this on coaches because actually I think some of the best coaches that I know are people that live real life and are incredibly honest about it. So I'm going to touch up on it and I hope it doesn't embarrass you or make you uncomfortable in any shape or form. But when you were hanging off that cliff, you actually sort of like said, look, you know, I wasn't in a great place. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I think a lot of guys listening to this or a lot of guys that are even considering coaching and stuff like that look at coaches as these kind of fucking gurus that have got their life sorted and their shit sorted and they know exactly how to get it sorted and they can give you the ABC pattern to go and do it. How did you get yourself out? I mean, if you want to tell us how you got into that, into that place, it's probably great, but how did you get yourself out of that place? where things weren't so good yeah um again in a gradual progression building momentum basically from going out and, and being a bit lost and doing these activities which in themselves do give 
a sense of, of achievement and a sense of you're kind of becoming more resilient or, or you, you're finding more of a passion and a purpose to doing things like that. I mean, one, one of the things which is easy, it's always easy to stay at home, especially on a, a weekend, you know, oh, I'm not getting, I'm not getting up and driving to Snowdonia. It's an hour and a half or, or whatever. I can't be bothered, but I know that it'll be good for me if I'm having a, a bit of a down day and, you know, it's, I know that once I've been out in the wild and I've come back and I'm knackered, I've been at the top of the mountain, I feel tremendous. I mean, I'll be tired, but I'll, you know, I'll have a beer or two that night and some food and I think, wow, that was great. And it's how do you get yourself in that mentality of knowing that you need to get out and do something? So I think there was a progressive thing where my mind was sometimes when you're at that bottom, you know, uh, slump and you sometimes just well, what's 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 the worst can happen if I go out? You know, sometimes you just something drives you to go and do it, and then you do that, and then you sort of get some kind of dopamine reward in your brain or whatever, you know, and, and then that sort of sticks with you, and then you go back. And I, I can't actually put my finger exactly on what it was, but I'd made some subconscious commitment to to be going out there and doing more of this stuff. And learning the skills which would help me do more of this, and I think there's something in that, certainly with my, my story, learning skills which help open up doors to doing more of the sort of thing which I'm, I'm getting good at. And, and the serendipity of it is actually like meeting these chaps doing base jumping, and then suddenly I've got connections with them and I'm emailing them, texting them, whatever, and I'm part of the community. And I think that's, that's the key thing here. If you can do something and become part of a, a community, a tribe, then that really exponentiates your, you know, the potential progress forward. Do you know um, what? It's really, it's, it's really odd. So I'm, I'm not cutting you off. It's really weird. I've done, this is show four. Okay. And that word community keeps mm-hmm. coming up and it's, really starting to freak me out a little bit i've got to be honest i'm i'm going to put a, a facebook page a facebook uh, group together um but the word community keeps coming up when people are talking about their struggles people are talking about the fact that you know it's getting them out of themselves or it's making life better um and i think it came from um richard wooden who was on show one um the kickboxing vicar bless him bloody rock star where he sort of said, look, you know, if we go back to our parents' generation, you know, our dads, our granddads, you know, they'd work their nine till fives or they'd work their six till fours or whatever they were doing, you know, down the mines or whatever. They'd go home, they'd go and have something to eat. And then they'd go down the pub and they'd go and sit and talk probably to the same guys for the next 20 odd years you know, and they would have that little community. They would enjoy that, you know, go and have their little half pint of bitter or whatever. And they would go and chat their shit out. And it's really weird yep. that I think that it's, it's starting to come to the fore where, you know, guys our age, we don't have that community anymore. There is, there, you know, if, if we have that community, it's online. I'm, I'm a massive one for, you know, seeing people face to face and sort of interacting, reading body language and stuff like that. It's, you know, when people sort of like say they're fine online, yeah, they're fine. But when they say they're fine in person, but you can see their discomfort, that's something different. And it's really weird yeah. that that word community keeps coming up. Definitely. 
No, I mean, it's the tribe. And again, there's loads of cliches, corny phrases, find your tribe. But I've always been a bit of a loner. I mean, I've always been part of different communities peripherally. Um, but, you know, in the last couple of years, and, and the more I've promoted what I do and get more involved with various different segments of society, I'm starting to find my tribe because there are common, I mean, just the very fact we're doing this podcast and we're on a similar wavelength, starting to find that tribe, it's so empowering, it's so mm. consolidating in terms of all this, so you're not, not a lone voice in the wilderness, you know, Yeah. Um, people get where you're coming from, because in so many areas of life, you know, and especially if you have a diverse set of connections, people see you in one sense, or people know me from a working capacity in the past, or they know me from a, a certain type of activity you're doing this people like to pigeonhole you and you know put you in these boxes and often you find that you're being not judged but people will offer advice or you know people will reach out to you and tell you or, or reflect back on you things that you're doing but only from that one pigeonhole perspective and and it's great now to start finding there are people out there who understand the breadth of the sort of things you're trying to do and um, one thing i'd like to, to mention actually so and, and this dovetails with the whole hanging off the cliff. So as with anything in my life, nothing is ever, I've just said about different pigeonholes. It's easy. Now, pigeonhole me is the extreme sports guy, the, the base jumping fella. But at the same time that I ended up meeting these, these chaps based on jumping, in that very same period of time, I got involved with some other people in the sailing and maritime sort of environments. And, right. and this is really quite poignant to what I'm about here. Um, so funny enough, I went to a, a chap who's now a really good friend of mine who was a, a life coach, and I'd never been to a life coach before. This has gone back a few years now, but 2018, I think it was, something like that. And I was like, oh, well, what's a life coach? And maybe I had some skepticism about that, and what does that even mean? And I thought, well, you know what? I'm, I'm in this crossroads in life. I'm on a bit of a slump. I don't really know. I, I know I have, have all this burning ambition to do stuff in in what I do in, in terms of the adventure stuff, the psychological side, all that kind of stuff. And I don't know how to get out of my current rut, my current career, all this type of stuff, and, and action it and take it to the next level. I just don't know where to start. So I went to this life coach and my friend, James, who's called James. And within not long of that initial preliminary conversation, we went from talking about the sort of life coaching type of issues to the fact he was a sailor and he'd done quite a lot of mad things in his own life. <laughs> um, and maybe he's someone you could even consider for the podcast. I'm sure he'd be quite interested in that. And he, he'd done all these crazy things and he, and he had such lived experience. He, he gravitated into coaching people, uh, but he had all this sailing experience, previous military experience and, and all sorts of stuff. And we got chatting about adventure and psychology and he said his ambition was to get to take people out to sea, but use a bit of the coaching and the psychological side and help people get to where they want to get to mm -hmm. in quite an extreme environment. And, you know, we didn't really carry on doing the coaching sessions. We actually started hatching plans to for the future to, to get involved more together in terms of adventure and psychology. Wow, that's My land-based cool. stuff and his seaborne stuff. And what was really quite funny, and again, I you know, I, I blog about some of my uh, stories from some of these things, some, some were quite hilarious. Um, we ended up going, I ended up going to sea with him about three weeks later. I'd never been to sea properly in a sailing boat in my life. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was a kind of ragtag bunch of people who didn't really have much experience, but he's a skipper and, and he's, he's very good at getting people involved and showing them the ropes. He's a great skipper. And and I turned up, uh, it was down in Falmouth, I think, in Cornwall, on a, I think it was a May bank holiday or something, a long train journey to get there. And, and I turned up with pre-mixed gin and tonic. So I thought, oh, great, I'm going, going on a sailing trip. How we'll very metro me. of you, turning up on a sailing <laughs> exactly. trip with a pre-mixed gin and tonic. <laughs> it was more because I had a bag and I wasn't going to carry 10 cans of spiders in my luggage. So I turned up on this boat with, with all this uh, gin and tonic. And uh, and basically, he, he shepherded me down below to show me all where the, the bits and bobs were. It was quite dark. I didn't have a clue like which end of the boat was which. And about 10 minutes later, he said, right, we're setting off. I'm like, okay, fine. And this is about 7 p.m. and we set off. And then then he, about 10 minutes into the journey, he said, right, uh, you take the helm. I'm like, what's the helm? Oh, this big round uh, wheel thing, okay. He says, keep it on course. I'm like, all right. So, so it was a bit in, in at the deep end. And then I found myself on watch at midnight. <laughs> <laughs> With a pre-mixed gin and tonic, that would have been a picture. I've got to be honest. <laughs> I know that that would be stored down below because actually, although on land it was partly central, out at sea it keeps a very dry and strict boat. <laughs> and the bottom line is, we didn't stop for a week. Wow. <laughs> we sailed about five. And you know, I was I found myself on the helm later on in the night. I mean, the first he accompanied me for a bit because it, you know just to make sure I knew what I was doing, then left me to it. And we were on these uh, watch cycles. For the next several days, I mean, I was hallucinating by the third day because I hadn't got the sleep patterns at all no. sorted. Some of those, you know, some of those um, experiences were out. Alone. Everyone's down, you know, down decks asleep in the middle of the night, and we're, we're flying across the the sea, the Irish Sea. I've got the boat on its side because it's the the winds hitting the sails, and we're flying along, and I'm looking at the stars trying to navigate, and you know, it's just. That was really quite an incredible experience. All the more because I went into that um, experience with, you know, a lot, a lot in my mind, a lot going on in my in my life, which I was in a really quite dark place looking back. Um, and that was quite a bold move, I guess, to go. I mean, I, I thought it was going to be more of a, a sort a of jolly, jolly move. yeah, more of a jolly, yeah, yeah, yeah. But actually, it was a hugely formative experience. Um, becoming part of a crew, the responsibility of that, helming the vessel, getting used to disrupted sleep, you know, cleaning the heads, all these kind of basics of seamanship. Um, and, and it was, and I think I was also scratching an itch. My, my father, who's passed away like many years ago, he went to sea when he was 15, he ran away to sea, uh, you know, from a very strict family kind of Catholic upbringing. Mm-hmm. And, and it was always, I guess, in my blood at some point in my future, I was going to go to sea, but I, been putting it off and it's funny like the lowest part of, of my recent times in my life I, I kind of semi-ran away to sea but not quite expecting it to be like that and and yeah I mean it, and as a result of that voyage and then subsequently many other voyages I got more into doing these type of sailing voyages but not sailing in the sense of going down the marina and you know wearing the, the equipment yeah. uh, wearing the uniform and we actually ended up working together with a community interest company in Liverpool, getting uh, homeless people and charities, and particularly men's health and mm. middle-aged men, men's suicide awareness charities, getting all sorts of people from there along and taking them on the boats, 
sometimes take them out onto the, onto the sea itself, but a lot of the time just set that sense of community uh, of a different context to talk about your, your life and your, get yourself out of that sometimes toxic environment that you've, you know, you've, you've ended up in, especially the homeless people and the, you know, all that kind of side of things. And, um, and we, we, we did really well. And this, this actually got funded as we were going into lockdown. You know, it was, it was a really, again, another weird sort of set of coincidences, uh, the universe almost throwing us a bone mm. to, to sort of build something as we were going through. But very much coming back to that whole point about community. Uh, and helping people and helping, ironically, I didn't think of it at the time, but middle-aged men seemed to be the, you know, a lot of the charities who were coming to us. Um, and yeah, I mean, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's going back in my mind a bit, what you said about where I was and how I came out of it. And it's just a, a number of these different things came together, which sometimes, you know, it's almost like you don't have a choice, you know, you're in a low point and opportunities come up and you just got to help it yourself into things and uh, and I think and that's, that's important I think that's really important that people just sort of like when opportunities do present it's like this podcast you know I'm I'm just going in both feet balls deep yeah. don't care going in because I know there are guys out there that are benefiting from this so let's um let's go to the last two questions okay um the last one um I'm gonna have a look up while you're answering this one because I can't remember it which is quite interesting um but that's always set by the last guest if you could go back to your 25-year-old self, <clears throat> what's the one piece of advice that you would give your 25-year-old self from where you are right now? Okay. Yeah. Um, I love this pause. There's always a pause when I ask this question. I love it because nobody knows it's coming. But I think it's. I, it's I, I, I want people to sort of like – just go back and mm. we, you know, we're not delving into mistakes or anything or anybody's problems yeah. or anybody's issues, but it's almost like that, that just that one little nugget where you kind of went, yeah, I wish I kind of knew that when I was 20. I think, yeah. I mean, I think back then I was very trying to, to go down a certain route and, and kind of panicking that actually life, I probably did think at the time life was going to finish when I was 30 or I just couldn't see to, nearly 50 in fact I'll, I'll let you in the secret I'm 50 tomorrow <laughs> oh wow man congratulations oh wow oh happy birthday for tomorrow right in fact this will go yeah, out well, this will go out on your birthday now so that's I'm putting it out there you know? so, it's, sure, it's my yeah. really crap birthday present to you that's fine right okay <laughs> well, when we were talking about availability and I said I'm free tomorrow I thought I'd be recording it on my birthday but anyway so <laughs> I thought that well I'd, I'd be not that I'd be done, but I could not see that far ahead. And I guess the simplest piece of advice would be like, you, you ain't done when you're thirty. You won't even be done when you're fifty. In fact, you've got so much time, but not not so much time, but you've got so much you can do. And and don't be constrained by thinking that you've got to try and achieve everything when you're twenty five because you won't. Just enjoy that kind of process and and do what you're doing actually. Because to be honest. I was very driven back then, but I was frustrated by some of the, the choices that life threw at me and, and some of the direction I ended up going down, which wasn't really what I would have chosen because I had such a fixed idea of what it should be. Um, so I guess I would say, look, you know, time, time stretches on and there's a lot you can do. Uh, funny enough, when I was, I think I was 24, I, I broke my wrist quite badly, kickboxing. 
and I've been doing quick kickboxing since forever. And you know what? I, I went I went to the um, the doctor, the, the emergency room, and got and, and came back with it, with my arm in a cast. And I thought my world had ended. I'm like, oh god, I was meant to be training that evening at the kickboxing class. What? How can I? How can I train at the kickboxing class? I've got my arm in a cast. Uh, suffice to say, I still went and trained, <laughs> and I carried on. I, I was in the gym next day doing one arm press ups with the right arm, which didn't have a cast, and I caused myself some bother back then. But to me, I ended up in a cast for three months. And to me, at that time, I was like, life is over if if you have a day off. So I guess I'd, I'd impress on, on myself that keep cracking on with that, that driven way that you're doing things, but don't don't think you've got to achieve everything all at once because it's just, you know, as long as you keep going and keep opening up your mind to possibilities, you can keep going in the 60s, 70s and beyond and achieve so much more and, you know, just have a, a balanced sort of view. So I think that's, that's what immediately springs to mind. I'll think of something better when we're off air. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just finding it amusing that there's a guy that, you know, thought his life had ended when he broke his wrist and then went and flung himself off a fucking cliff. Uh, you know, uh, free uh, free basing. You know what I mean? It's like, come yeah. on, yeah. dude, seriously. <laughs> you knew nothing when you were 25. Not a thing. <laughs> no. Nothing. I, I tell you, I've got um, my um, thumbs throbbing at the minute because I, I, I have the arthritis from that wrist break now and it bothers me every day, but nevertheless, oh, you, know, well, you crack on. There doing. you go. It's not a problem. Right, okay. <laughs> Okay, so the question. So I always ask um, the previous guest to leave me a question to ask the next guest. All right, okay. So I don't. I I, I take it down when when we do the recording, and then I forget about it because you know, to be fair, yeah. life's short. And um, <laughs> and um, his question is really simple. Okay. What's your why? What's my why? Mm. Yeah. The why. Yeah. Um. My why? Oh, well, it's, uh, I've done a lot of work on elevator pitches and it's kind of gone out of my mind. But yeah, it, it's to help people get more adventurous. And I suppose defining, keeping adventurous is, is my purpose. And by that, I mean, carrying on, not being constrained by, oh, this is the end of the road. This is what I've done. That's it. And I'm going to go to see. It, it's what's the next thing I can do? How can I open up my mind to, to seeing new opportunities out there, which can take me off in another mad direction. Mm. You know, I, I, it's that constant exploration, I suppose. Uh, keep, keep sort of, yeah, keep exploring the world to see what opportunities come next. And that's, I think, the key to longevity for, for me, for sure, and for it can be for anyone. So my why is to, yeah, is, is to be more and more adventurous moving forward. It's, it's, it's a non-stop thing. Brilliant, brilliant. David, a big, huge thanks for sharing your life, your story, and your thoughts. If you like the podcast, do us a favor, like, share, and subscribe. Look out for an extra solo show, just from me, that's coming out in the next few days, where I talk about what life can be like living alone for the very first time in your middle age. Now, if you like the podcast, go and review it uh, and be in with a shout of winning a £50 Amazon voucher that uh, you can probably buy a nose trimmer with or uh, spend on a celebrity energy drink. Entirely up to you. But we will be back next week. I will see you very soon. So much thanks to David. Uh, Much love. Be brilliant. Go on. Kick off your shoes. It's been a long day. Kick off your shoes, be